there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. No pills gonna kill my head. I got a bad case of loving you. The doctor is in. Bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom and making sense out of medical propaganda. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, Robert Scott Bell. It's Monday. Guess what that means? It's Advanced Medicine Monday, the medical rewind with Dr. Rashid Batar, my dear friend. Look forward to this every week, as I know you do out there listening to the Robert Scott Bell Show, streaming through naturalnews.com. Obviously, a lot of news just coming off of the Health Freedom Expo. I'll be able to spotlight a lot of great interviews coming off of that. But right now, we're sparking off the week as we do every week here uh, with Dr. Rashi Batar. Dr. Batar, welcome back. Hey, Robert. How are you? Oh, I'm doing really well. We've got a lot of things to discuss, including some follow-ups on radiation. We had an interesting uh, inquiry uh, off of our Alzheimer's discussion from a couple of weeks back that leads into the bigger picture of how we can truly help people and how we maybe, uh, let's say, damage or sabotage our own efforts at health and, health and healing by preemptively trying to help people that are not ready to be helped. So there's some cool stuff we can go go through today. Absolutely. It's actually an interesting thing that happened. And you know, it's, it's very, um, what's the right word, uh, reinforcing, I guess, would be the right word. When you, ha- when you talk about a subject or we may have a personal conversation about something and then, uh, lo and behold, there's a response from somebody that listened or a couple of people that listened regarding that particular subject that brings the whole conversation to a full circle. And, yes. And to be able to share that with everybody else uh, as a lesson that we can all learn, I think it's very beneficial for right. all three parties concerned, especially myself, as even one of the people that are experiencing it. At the well, we, t- we tend to learn most as, as those, the caretakers, if you will, if we're open to it like you are, like I am, and the people listening, we tend to learn the most out of these relationships as well. And again, it helps us then to help others that come uh, afterwards. As we launch today, one of the things I want to do you know, is acknowledge the, uh, the radiation issue because it's still a concern, and we did spend a lot of good time last week on it and it's not like it's going away anytime soon but it, you know the absurdity and mike adams covered this at natural news as well that the modern medicine is choosing cancer causing uh, methodologies energies and substances in the treatment of disease for which those substances cause the disease like in, in uh, like the, the ionizing radiation like the uh, radioactive iodine to destroy thyroids and hyperthyroidism and now we're talking you can just go to the the nuclear plants in japan and get it for free without a prescription it's just weird and oncology chemotherapy causing cancer they use it to treat poison it's barbaric but it it it, it needs you know it needs saying again and again before it finally sinks in what is modern medicine doing well the um conference that took place in las vegas uh it was one of the uh, anti-aging conferences back in 2000 and I believe it was 2004 or 2003 perhaps. And um, there was a special segment that was being held on uh, mammograms. And Dr. Steven Sinatra, who's a good friend of mine, I think you know him pretty well, don't you? Yeah, Dr. Sinatra's awesome. He's got a lot of heart and integrity as well. He does. Um, he was actually one of the panelists, and he and I talked about, uh, Dr. Sinatra is the one who ranked me as one of the top 50 doctors since 2003, so we've kind of formed a good relationship over the years, and 
um, gotten to be friends, and he he and I had a brief conversation before this particular workshop on on mammograms because I wasn't going to attend it. I had no interest in it, but he told me he said you really need to you know come to this thing. So I figured okay, if he says I should come there, maybe maybe you won't be wasting my time. So I went there because I figured they're just going to be talking about you know why people should be getting mammograms. Sure, well, re- rehashing the same old same old. We don't need that. <laughs> exactly, but in actuality, it was it was anything but the same old. The the information that was disclosed, and I'm sorry that my facts may not be completely accurate here because it it was a long time ago. But the the gist of the uh, panel discussion was the validity of mammograms. There was a study done in China that talked about how doing self exams, breast exams, uh, in like I think it was 19,000 women, they found that the increase in survival. Uh, post-diagnosis, if a woman had, because the whole idea of this is, you know, early intervention. So the whole idea is you determine that the person has cancer early on so you can get intervention treatment sooner rather than later, and the mammograms is supposed to give you uh, earlier opportunity to get intervention. Well, in actuality, what the, this study showed in, from China, that when women did self-breast uh, exams versus this um, uh, particular m- mammogram procedure that they were doing, there is no increase in survival whatsoever. There was, even though the intervention supposedly was able to be started earlier, there was absolutely no change in survival. In fact, there was concern that the data may have been skewed uh, based upon the statistical analysis that they do in order to show validity of the data points. They were right. afraid that there may have been some uh, some of the manipulation of that data to actually show that the people that had mammograms actually had a worse outcome than the people that did self-breast exams. But the point that I'm going to make coming back to what you just said, mammograms, when we sat there in that panel discussion and discussed this, the mammograms, do you know the history behind mammograms? It was all to do with the congressional hearing in the late 80s, I believe it was in the late 80s, where it was proven and shown using statistical analysis and epidemiological data that mammograms did not increase lifespan and if anything and, and, and uh, early diagnosis and if anything the increase in trauma to the breast and increase in radiation was actually detrimental and showed evidence that there was a correlation with increased incidence of breast cancer yet mm. what con- the con- uh, congressional members made a decision was that the public demanded some type of an early intervention <laughs> oh, they wanted to feel like they had some control and so yeah. they were going to push this issue with mammograms no the legitimacy of mammograms all completely based on BS and lies, yeah. but it's perpetrated over the last three, four decades now. Yeah, all based upon fallacy. How many increased? Uh, how many cases of cancer have been caused over those years of uh, you know re- relying on data that is faulty uh, to do it? So-called prevent, which we know these are not prevention; these are detection techniques, and the detection techniques in this case creating the very uh, uh, thing they're trying to detect. And not only, you know, and not only that, Doctor Patar. I mean, you said it that, that we just wanted to feel like we're doing something. I mean, this is so classic, good enough for government work. But that modern medicine adopts the methodology just for profit tells you how far they have strayed from healing. Not one single ounce of medical scientific uh, evidence to show prevention. All to do with political agenda to make people feel as if they have some type of control. And look at what a mammogram does. You cause compression of the breast, which is traumatic to the tissue in itself, promoting right. inflammation. You're exposing it to radiation, which again causes DNA adducts to form and, and mutation on the DNA level, which is again uh, severe oxidative stress and causing that mutation that eventually leads to cancer. Yep. So you're actually inducing 
the very things we're supposed to be trying to prevent with the you know diet and nutrition and some of these things that mm-hmm. you know the loose the loose associations that conventional medicine has with you know eating more greens, which now they've finally gotten to uh, <laughs> vote, but doing something completely counterproductive. And Robert, are you aware of the presidential report that came out? I believe it was it was right after. Okay, I know exactly when it was. It was the month before my medical uh, board battle, if you want to call it a conflict or whatever you want to call it, right? A skirmish uh, ended. It was a presidential report. It's actually available on our website. It is, I think, a 260-page report from the Presidential uh, Commission on Cancer. And the gist of the whole thing is that they're saying that cancer is related to some type of an environmental cause. <laughs> the Presidential Commission says this. Yeah, but I remember. I covered that. Are addressing that. Yeah. Well, no, none, none, of, none of it. None of them. None of it. And, and you know, the thing is, I, I call it the disease-making machinery. I mean, it is so embedded into the government structure right now, you don't know where the pharmaceutical complex begins and government ends and vice versa. And so if we are to restore a health and healing integrity, we have to decouple medicine from the state. You know, they talk about uh, a church, church and state separation. We need to, to, to have medicine and state separation for healing to come back into the healing arts. I, I had no idea that the pharmaceutical company actually was prevented for, from advertising uh, a couple of decades ago, and then they, can Congress passed some type of a law that allowed them to actually start to advertise. But apparently that was why it was prevented that you could not have advertisements regarding promotion of certain types of drugs. I didn't even know. I don't remember that back you know, 20, 30 years ago. But yeah. did you know that was something that Congress passed to allow pharmaceutical companies to start advertising? And before that, it was prevented exactly for the reasons you're saying, to separate the pharmaceutical from the government, kind of like church and state. Yep. Same type of situation. Yeah, and the DTC, you- the DTC advertising prohibited in most every other country uh, because of what it does. And, of course, they just kind of overshot the docs. Then the patients come in and demand these drugs and treatments. Just, we got to do something. And of course, you know, the docs that are not as, as, you know, fully integrated in this understanding will just say, well, they are demanding it. They're going to go somewhere else. It's like, you know, of course, you or I would say go somewhere else. I'm not going to give you something that's going to give you a disease. But unfortunately, too many docs don't have the will or the awareness at this level to stop that level of insanity and intoxication of the patients. We actually like to say over here, this isn't Burger King. We don't do it your way. We only do it the right way. (laughs) And that's how that's how we kind of put it. But, yeah. you know, it's amazing that when we'd have a discussion, Robert, and I may mention something, you may mention something, I end up getting, you know, 20, 30, 50 uh, inquiries through our email system. So I mentioned this presidential um, uh, cancer report. Yes. So let me, let me tell the listeners where they can go. If they go to the clinic website, uh, under patient information, there's a tab that says essential information. And if you click on essential informa- information and scroll down, um, the first segment says autism information. The second segment says cancer information. And the fourth link down is the 2010 President's Cancer Report. It's a PDF. You can download it and uh, read the information. And essentially the summary is that cancer is induced by some type of an environmental causation and uh, must be addressed. And, of course, as we said, no conventional oncologist is looking no. at all at an environmental issue. So this, this I can get through drbatar.com? 
Yes. Okay, great. Well, I'll make sure that link is up there as well. If you haven't gotten it already in the in the email alerts, we'll make sure it's up there at the blog as well. Uh, we've got a lot to do today on the the Medical Rewind. It's at Advanced Medicine Monday. Dr. Batar is my guest as he is every week, and I so look forward to the things we can we can relate here. And it's not like, as we say, the government, they know it. They put out the Presidential Commission report. I covered it also on the show here. And yet the same, the same thing occurs, the promotion of detection techniques that literally cause the very disease they're designed to detect. And, of course, we know of efficient means by which we can protect you. It, it also reminds me, Dr. Batar, of like the... the the prostate exams, they found that, you know, the whole PSA test may not be as accurate or even relating to anything in reality that's very important and that it led to interventions that worsened, you know, uh, let's say lifespans as well as quality of life in a slow-moving cancer like prostate cancer. So uh, it isn't just uh, breast cancer and mammography. The men are getting hammered as well. Absolutely. In fact, prostate-specific antigen, which is what PSA stands for, you know, we think, okay, well, men have prostate, so it must be something specific to men. But in actuality, women, when they get breast cancer, have an increase in PSA levels. What women doesn't, a woman doesn't have a prostate, so where is she getting a prostate-specific antigen from? So there's so much we don't understand, <laughs> and yet we promote it as if it's gospel, and we promote it in such a zealous fashion yeah. uh, in conventional medicine that we actually make the person on the other end, the patient, feel stupid <laughs> if they don't follow those recommendations. And that has been one of the recurring themes that patients, when they come to me, they tell me that they were intimidated, sometimes even coerced to undergo certain types of treatments um, under this pretense of uh, being the right thing and informed consent. Mm -hmm. And yet when when you really talk about informed consent, they're never given these other options of just basic things. In fact, the Russian study uh, there was a doctor that worked for me. The only reason I'm privy to this is because a doctor that worked for me was for an Armenian doctor who uh, was originally from Russia, and he told me if a Russian study that was published never got translated into English, he had the Russian study, and I was able to see it. Of course, I couldn't read Russian, so I you know, couldn't read it, but he interpreted it for me. And what it was amazing, Robert, they took two groups of people. They divided, the, it was a group of breast cancer patients and a group of lung cancer patients, and they divided these groups into two sub-segments. So the breast cancer patients were divided into two segments, the lung cancer patients were divided into two segments. Yeah. They took the one segment and they told them whatever they did, whether they drank, they smoked, they bungee cord jumped, whatever they did to continue doing whatever they did without any regard for any type of intervention, any type of prevention, nothing. Okay. The other group, they conventionally treated. They treated using chemotherapy radiation. Right. Group that had no intervention. What do you think happened with that group? Well, Take I'm, a wild guess. I, I'm guessing that their outcomes were phenomenal compared to the treatment group. The group that had no intervention and were allowed to just continue, the, even without any preventive techniques, even without any detoxification, without anything else, just continue living your life. You smoke, continue smoking, do whatever. Just no chemo, no radiation. That group with no medical intervention lived an average of more than three and a half times longer than the group that was conventionally treated. And I'm certain their quality of life was a lot better, too. When we come back from this break, more on the Medical Rewind. It's Dr. Batar with me on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Uh, we're going to highlight some other things that uh, they already know, whether it be in uh, big farmer, big government, big media, but they're not acknowledging, but we are acknowledging it here uh, with Dr. Batar. Stay with me. Lots more healing on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Godzilla of Health Talk Radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. 
Back in the health world as we always do on Mondays, especially with my good friend, Dr. Rashid Batar. Advanced Medicine Monday, we call it, because it is. It is exactly that. And bringing, bringing to light things that even if it, they are acknowledged in government presidential reports, they never see the light of day beyond that, except that we would cover it here. And Dr. Batar, of course, does so much wonderful work in his own practice out there in North Carolina. DrBatar.com, D-R-B-U-T-T-A-R.com, as well as MedicalRewind.com. And we've got lots more to do. It, you know, it reminds me, uh, Dr. Batar, about uh, the awareness of what happened after 1975-76 with the so-called swine flu pandemic, uh, Gerald Ford rushed in, you know, thinking he was going to be the savior and, and get a lot of good publicity, maybe win re-election uh, at that point. And they rushed this swine flu out there. It, it harmed and killed more people than the swine flu did. And what was the government's response instead of rationality to think, wow, that really didn't work. In fact, it was worse. It didn't work. It really harmed people more than what we were warning against. We need to rethink this whole policy. Instead, they went back in and they, they fought harder every year to promote a flu shot agenda without end. Despite the fact that, you know, the scientific journals have published the fact that there's no reduction in mortality and morbidity associated with the flu shot in any of the, uh, the key targeted groups, whether they be the young or the elderly. Even the way that they determine what uh, particular type of inoculation to give for that particular season is absolutely just ludicrous. I mean, they use a statistical analysis program to determine of the five or 6,000 viral strains that we know, and then another five, ten, maybe 20,000 viral strains that we have no idea. We can't even fathom what the, what the various uh, strains are. Uh, and then they take all these different combinations and then they put them into a statistical analysis and then try to predict which is going to be the uh, strain that's going to be more virulent than the rest of them for this next upcoming season. Now, look at the stock market. I mean, stock market can go up, it can go down, or it can stay level. They can't predict that accurately. How do they take <laughs> 20,000 you know, different variables and plot them in and come up with some type of epidemiological, statistically ana- uh, statistical analysis-based uh, prediction? Yeah. I mean, would, you, would any common sense individual ever take a risk at taking something like that into their body without knowing which strain is going to be the one that's going to cause the problem. And even then, yeah. even then, the entire fallacy behind the vaccination paradigm, uh, you know, the, the whole theory, which uh, Dr. Tempany does a fantastic job going into and explaining and, and all the aspects that obviously I don't want to go over the same stuff we've talked about a thousand times, Robert, but no, it's the right. DNA addicts and all the, uh, the different um, uh, dog and chicken and monkey, you know, DNA and <laughs> yeah, all it's the a, it is a circus lines and all that stuff. It's a flu circus. It's a vaccine circus. It's you know, and, and the parents obviously are are now leading the charge. The moms that have been uh, affected, whether it be flu shot or other things, and yes, we have discussed it, but it, it warrants more discussion all the time because now the media and and the medical complex daring to attack the parents for questioning. Uh, vaccination because of the damage and dangers that are that are associated. Now it's backfiring on them. I think they've already lost the battle. And in regards to the flu shot, you know, every year I talk about it in forms of, of uh, uh, democracy. You know, it's like well, we'll all get together and vote on it, and, and they pretend it's scientific, and it, and, it, and it basically comes down to mob rule. And then they say, okay, these three strains are in, and those are not. And if we get the guess right, okay. If not, but again, we would argue against the whole thing. But all of this discussion, Doctor Batard, just should lead people to believe or understand. I guess, how unscientific the medical realm has become in the face of real science that says, hey, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that, and then they do it all. It's, it's so politically motivated. If you remember a couple of years back, maybe about six years back, there was that huge, huge scare that the virus 
that the uh, flu season was going to be so bad. They had it on uh, CNBC. It was in all the media they were talking about. This is this is like back in 2005, 2000. I think it was 2005. Um, it was such a massive media push. And all of a sudden, the entire nation's vaccine supply was gone. And then they had the CDC on TV again saying, oh, well, we were mistaken. It's not really going to be that bad. Well, what the amazing thing was that they had over 10 million doses or 12 million doses that were over and that, that were from the previous season that had never been utilized. Um, they needed to get rid of it. So they promoted this huge uh, fear, got everybody coming to the ERs, getting the f- a flu shot from the previous year. It wasn't even the same particular year that they were, they were supposedly treating. And then when they ran out and people were panicking, they came back on the media and said, hey, we don't really have to worry about it. We were we were mistaken. So there's not going to be no problem with flu. So all these, but they, what they did was they successfully got rid of that twelve million dollar yeah. abundance of the flu shot. Well, a pandemic panic fire sale. I was surprised they didn't throw them into big lots and sell them for a buck a piece. Well, they already got them in all the grocery food stores, and you can get them in the kiosks in the airports. I mean, how ridiculous is that when you <laughs> when you're getting? I mean, from a contrarian philosophy, when you're starting to get a flu shot in a grocery food store, yeah. you know, the uh, the Desiree, that lady that I took care of, the Washington Redskins cheerleader, she yes. got her flu shot in the grocery store while she was picking up a steak for dinner that night. Wow! I mean, that's ridiculous. And at airport kiosks. And Robert, just uh, as a side note, you know, we're talking about moms and the, the parents and their. Uh, movement against vaccinations. Let's look at even a bigger aspect with the vaccinations. And you may recall over a decade ago when you and I first met, we were talking about um, the incidence of disease, chronic disease, and how it was increasing and how uh, when you talk about the incidence of things like cancer or autism or certain things, yes. the conventional realm will say, well, we have better it's- methods of analysis and diagnosis. And so we're picking up more cases as opposed to 20, 30, 40 years ago when we our diagnostic mechanisms weren't as accurate. That is a load of... <laughs> you say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, better better detection techniques. That's why there's so much more autism because it was hidden from us because we didn't know how to diagnose it in history. And so it's just normal that all these kids have, have you know this disconnect with the world via this autism spectrum. Absolute load of the most uh, despicable... Mm lie that one can tell. I mean, you're talking about something that is probably the worst type of thing that has ever been done against mankind. I mean, this is probably, this probably makes, I've even said this publicly before, this probably is something that makes Hitler look like a nice guy. And Well, that's why I call it. It's Nazi medicine at this point. Honestly, we have to call it like it is, and I don't use that word lightly because it's a charged word, but the reality is so much of what we're seeing today is born out of the demon spawn of IG Farben in World War II, so it has to be spoken. It has to be said. Earlier this week, I had Tim Bolin on the program. We were talking about this ramping up of attack on parents now, which is a a desperate attempt to keep people in line with the vaccine paradigm. Well, Let's step outside of the box of autism for just a second and start looking at look at cancer. Let's just look at cancer for or let's look at ALS. So let's look at MS. So let's look at some of these other conditions. Over a decade ago, I said this. I don't remember whether you. Uh, I don't know whether you remember me saying this, but uh, I know I've said it in many other venues that the incidence of these diseases is increasing, and I believe it's because of the introduction of DNA adducts and other exogenous DNA that is not innate within ourselves that is causing these mutations and it is our own body trying to compensate to adapt to this environmental onslaught that we're dealing with. So you mutate the DNA in the system and then you have these environmental toxins and together it's it's literally like pouring 
uh, gasoline on a fire. Right. My last five, I'm sorry, uh, if you take away the most, the two most recent uh, cancer patients I've been treating right now, that just started treatment actually this week. Previous to that, the last five stage four cancer patients that I treated were all under the age of 30. Mm. Yes. Now, you know, I'm, 20 I'm, I'm, to 30, <sighs> lowest incidence of cancer normally. Yeah. And the youngest, and of Why course, and I, below the age of ten and above the age of uh, you know forty-five, the incidence of cancer starts increasing. But the adolescent to the um, to the early forties, that's usually considered a lower incidence, and and the lowest incidence even within that subgroup is usually between the age of say eighteen and twenty-eight, because that's mm-hmm. the strongest we are. Our you know our, well, our hormones. Dr. Batar, now I have to reference, you know, I talked about more cancer in children because they're living longer. Of course, it's absurd. Now we have to say young adults are living longer than they used to. That's why cancer is occurring in the 18 to 25 range. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's really ridiculous that they have this type of logic. And in fact, you remember I mentioned to you the the patient of mine, Chris, the one that uh, sent the email that we mentioned about Alzheimer's. He was, um, he had uh, stage four melanoma and uh, he, he was... I think he was 29 when he started treatment. He's 30 now. I, I believe he's 30 now, or, or he was just turned 30 when we started treatment. Again, another case. This, I would say that more than more than a half of my patients right now fall in that category of below the age of 35. Mm. And I'm seeing every year I'm seeing younger and younger cancer patients. Of course, I, we've seen a lot of patients below the age of say 10. Yeah. But, you know, above the age of 10, it's relatively rare, uh, and below the age of 30, and now I'm seeing more and more and more. Just had a patient with adrenal cell carcinoma, the one that you and I talked about, um, you know, the husband when he called me and said that his, he wanted his his wife uh, in the hospital told her husband that uh, promised me that you're going to take uh, Wyatt, their son. Remember I told you that? Right. That we talked about that. Okay, she was 20, I think she was 26 or 28. Wow. Um, I've got another one right now that's 25, a NASCAR driver. I mean, just the incidence of, and this is, this is not just like a you know basal cell carcinoma or something on the skin. Stage four, very advanced forms of cancer that are. Why are these people getting it when they're at the at their peak in life? Yeah, it's well, been- I think we need to talk about the generational decline. You know, parents uh, that you know used to work out on the farm and the you know we we were with the land and ate the food as it was grown to the 20th century decline into processed foods, chemical additives, preservatives, flavorings, pesticides, herbicides, fungicides. Now add the GMOs into the mix. We add the vaccine issue with foreign RNA, foreign DNA embedded in there, in addition to the other intoxicants and heavy metals and mercury and of course it's a what's a wonder that anybody doesn't expect this to be the case i mean we're witnessing it but that all of the intelligentsia in allopathic medicine can't see that they're actually contributing and causing it that's stunning when we come back from this break with dr batar we're going to talk more about these uh, causative factors that we acknowledge and recognize and even the scientific journals publications are acknowledging yet they're being ignored and we're also going to talk about uh, you know our responsibility your responsibility as far as how to help people because i know a lot of times we want to get people there get them to understand the things that we talk about here uh, on the robert scott bell show particularly mondays with uh, dr batar on the medical rewind and how do we do it appropriately what's the best way we can help people we're going to ask dr batar about that as well when we come back this is the robert scott bell radio show streaming through natural news 
Welcome back. It's Advanced Medicine Monday on the Robert Scott Bell Show, continuing the, the most fascinating discussions of the week that we do every every week, and you never know where it goes. I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. The feedback says you are, and I am, and I'm thankful, Dr. Batar, for you uh, joining me every week as you do. We take it to, to places. I don't think anybody else takes it. Well, I enjoy this. Uh, I'm getting more and more uh, pleasure out of this, and obviously, like you said, the feedback has been really uh, outstanding. I've gotten people that I had no idea were even aware that I was doing a radio show calling me and talking to me, friends and, and family too, that, you know, um, they have their uh, they have their own different uh, viewpoints and different things, but the one thing they say is it's definitely exciting and that holds their attention, so. Well, this information had to get out there, and there is a great hunger for it, and I'm glad we're able to deliver it. And, and Dr. Batar, you know, we were talking about the environmental assaults, the medical assaults, the vaccine assaults, and relating it to what is happening. It's not a mystery. It should not be a mystery to anybody, least of all the medical community, but yet they're scratching their heads still. Well, I think, Robert, you're being very generous when you put all these things together, and obviously you know um, what my personal belief is and detoxification is the key and it's the first foundation as I described in the book to all healing but honestly if you take all those things that you mentioned everything from the GMO foods the environmental toxins the growing up on the farm etc etc the one thing that I think dwarfs everything else as far as the increased incidence in cancer in our younger population etc etc yeah is vaccinations. Mm. I truly believe that that is the one thing. If you take everything else, I think those are all fuels that are furthering the fire, yes, but I believe that one of the most detrimental assaults on the physiological system is the introduction of these foreign DNA components. Right. Then our body's natural response to try to prevent these things from causing detriment in our system causes this symptom of cancer because people don't understand this cancer is nothing more than a symptom cancer is uncontrolled cellular proliferation and suppression of apoptosis apoptosis is a programmed cell death that is innate within all cells but when a uh, when somebody gets cancer there's a suppression of that suicide program that suicide program is there that if this cell becomes abnormal it's going to self-destruct in order to protect it the whole sacrifice itself to protect the whole but there's a suppression of that suicide program when you have cancer the, the, the ra- last thing that a plant does, that a tree does before it dies, the very last thing it does, it, it rapidly pollinates, it disseminates a seed trying to perpe- uh, perpetuate itself. I believe that's the same thing that's going on with cancer. It's yes. the last-ditch effort of that particular site that is so nutrition depleted and so toxic and has been assaulted on um, the DNA, has been mutated at that very point, that its last-ditch effort to try to survive is that it rapidly goes into, similar to a plant or a tree, into that rapid pollination phase, i.e., uncontrolled cellular proliferation it's just trying to survive yeah you you said it it's like cellular last ditch effort at cellular survival and of course you know the the wrong-headed approach it's so bizarre the more we discuss it and think about it and look at it it's like how do we ever get duped to believe that we have to destroy it further with even more toxins and more deficiencies that are forced upon the body when that is the very thing that brings it about and you mentioned the word assault with vaccination it is not too strong a word It is absolutely appropriate that level of egregious assault is is really stimulating, if you will, the cells into sur- in abject survival mode at younger and younger ages. That's absolutely right. And it is hitting our systems at an earlier phase of life, during the developmental phases, during the most critical phases. It is something that must be stopped if we ever want to have a chance 
at increasing survival from some of these detrimental things. We have to stop assaulting the system early on. Well, and that's why, as you said, detoxification is key and nine steps to keep the doctor away. It's critical components of, of the phases that you talk about. And, uh, you know, I was talking earlier, uh, well, last week about detoxification from a homeopathic energetic as, as well way. We, we can't do enough right now to counteract all the assault and damage, including and especially, as you say, and I agree with you, the vaccine uh, assault. It really is something that hopefully more and more people are becoming aware of. Robert, I think you're doing a outstanding job to help that awareness increase. And I think globally we're seeing more and more people becoming uh, aware, empowered with this information. We know that with the uh, H1N1, you know, worldwide there was protest. Germany was going to pay for all their citizens, and I think only 3% of the citizens uh, would even accept it, and the 97% of them revolted and, yes. you know, all over the world. So I think people are becoming more and more aware of it, and the more people are becoming aware of it, the higher the uh, media seems to take this to the next level of trying to, you know, paint the people that are promoting awareness as these crazy lunatics right. that are going around promoting uh, practices that are only going to hurt your child and, and allow them to die from uh, some type of a, a condition that is normally um, dealt with effectively with conventional medicine. I remember with the frontline piece that was done, uh, they, they we, we came to my office and for nine hours uh, they were in my office. They interviewed three patients. They taped me for over three and a half hours myself. Yeah. And when they frontline piece, they didn't have a single second of any of that footage. All they showed was something from the web that they captured, kind of like, you know, as a uh, and reported me as a controversial doctor, but they didn't talk about any of the people mm-hmm. that that they interviewed. In the, the, and it was all about the vaccines. Remember what it was called? Vaccine Wars, I believe. Right, they right, right. single physician on there that was with, with the counterpoint of why vaccines should be looked at more judiciously. They only had parents that were anti-vaccine and painted them to be these crazy people yeah. and then talked about the you know, whooping cough outbreak and, you know, where six kids got sick or something like that. Um, they talked about the incidence of meningococcemia, which obviously is something that will cause death. But we haven't, you know, we may have had, I don't know, uh, I have no idea what the what the incidence of meningococcemia death is in the country, but certainly doesn't come no. even to Mr. Claus close to autism. And, right? and, and we always look at the uh, terrain of these, uh, these children or young adults that have that scenario as well, and there's always correlative factors with de- deficiencies as well as toxicity uh, and exhaustion, in fact, in these young kids, adrenal burnout, et cetera. So this is another a- area that is not looked at again. It looked at, They look at it as a vaccine deficiency disease. And the frontline piece is eerily similar to the dateline piece that covered uh, Dr. Brzezinski, Dr. Gonzalez, and Suzanne Summers was on. After a year of putting that thing together, they made it look as, as, as if Dr. Nick Gonzalez was just cutting people's hair in a barber shop to do a hair analysis, which they completely mocked up that footage and ignored all of the patients, all of the reports, all of the science, and even and Dr. Andrew Weil. Uh, he he said, "Oh well, Dr. Nick is not is not real." He didn't even analyze any of the data. That guy's a joke. Yep. I agree, and it's coming out more and more, and we're doing it. We're letting loose on it. So how do we help people? This is the big thing. Now, we covered uh, the Alzheimer's issue. Remember, we talked about a study that came out and said it starts in the liver. So we understood toxicity, metals, other things, and that you know stimulated some thought. Some people listened to the program. You had a patient contact you and said, I, I want to help everybody. I want to help. Please convince this, convince that. And it's like, that's another aspect of this, uh, you know, being efficient and helping others versus wasteful energy that depletes us so that we can't help anybody. Yeah, actually, this uh, patient of mine is a great guy. He's a professional golfer. Uh, 
obviously I can't say his last name or over the air, but uh, Chris is his first name. And, um, you know, it's interesting that he sent me this email. Um, he calls me Dr. White Sox because I white, wear white socks with my dress shoes and my scrubs. So that's what his nickname is for me, Dr. White Sox. <laughs> I love it, Dr. White Sox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, it was interesting because he has a friend. His friend um, has a mom that has Alzheimer's. And so he sent me an email, which I, which was very interesting in itself, the, the reason that he was asking me. And this is something that happens all the time where patients become so uh, grateful, they're so enamored with the results that they've experienced personally, that they've seen other patients in the clinic experience while they're getting treatments, and so they want to share this with everybody, their loved ones, their family, their friends, their relatives, their neighbors, their work associates. But then it starts creating stress for them because they're trying to convince other people. Right. And so he actually asked me, if it, is it okay for um, me to have this person contact your office and perhaps couple of the patients that you've already helped uh, in this particular arena, maybe those, their family members can talk to them. And, you know, I went through a couple of different things and I explained that the, 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 I went through a couple of things like patients, one patient was 70, one person's 80, uh, one patient ended up dying of respiratory failure three or four years after we treated, the other patient ended up moving and went, went through that, you know, we purge our records every five years. Uh, if a patient hasn't been active for five years, we put their records in storage, and so to have to go through that and look up that information, get them, and blah, 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 all went through all the stuff, but I told them that really the bottom line is for me, we are so busy taking care of people that want to get better, I'm not in the convincing business, I don't want to convince anybody, if they don't come to me and they don't say, I want to do whatever it takes to get better, I don't have an interest or a desire to even deal with them, in fact, I've been blessed with the luxury of being able to choose who my patients are going to be because remember that even if a person an individual says they want to get better they have to have the will and the desire and the belief that they are going to get better if they're not it's a waste of their time it's a waste of uh, their money it's a waste of my time i have no desire to deal with uh, anything where success is not inevitable and the this concept of having to try to convince somebody i mean go to the convention side, you know, go to a car salesman, go to whoever you want if you need to be convinced. I am, I have no time for that. In fact, my staff, and Robert, you can, I think you've actually maybe even experienced this firsthand, but my staff has, they have a questionnaire that they ask patients when they're calling or potential patients they're calling. Yes. Uh, and for, especially with like our, in the autism case, there's a questionnaire, it's very detailed. Um, I did the clinical aspect, and then they've got a couple of the things that they put at the bottom. And so the last couple of lines are, are you aware of A, are you aware of B, are you aware of C? Meaning, are you aware of A as our, our requirements to become a patient? Are you aware of the testing that we do? Are you aware of uh, how strict we are and how we do things? And if, if a patient marks down, no, they're not uh, aware or they're, they're not sure about all the details, then the staff member will make sure that they go through and they go through this thing, you know, with... This isn't Burger King. We don't do it your way. We do it the right way, et cetera, <laughs> yes. et cetera. But if a person has any hesitation about what, mm -hmm. what course of action they're going to take, my staff has been trained that they should encourage them and support them mm -hmm. to find somebody else, not come to our clinic. Yeah, absolutely. We don't want to waste efforts. And uh, when we come back from this break, we'll talk more about what I'm going to call a non-interventionist interpersonal policy. It's the best way to help others be that living example. And Dr. Batar certainly is here on the Medical Rewind Advanced Medicine Monday on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Dr. Batar has written a number of things over the years, and there's a lot of videos. You can uh, learn so much 
uh, that's available. We'll talk briefly about that as well. But remember, nine steps to keep the doctor away. Excellent starter starting place so you can go on this journey back to health and healing in a legitimate fashion that will genuinely change your life, transform your life for the better. And when others are ready, they'll be able to do the same. But we can't force them. That's a big part of our discussion here today with Dr. Batar on Advanced Medicine Monday. Uh, I mentioned it uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek, non-interventionist interpersonal policy. But the idea is being an example is a far more, a good example, of course, is a far more efficient means by which you can impart positive uh, changes in others than by forcing them at the point of a gun or even if it's a well-meaning gun. I believe it was Buddha or Confucius. I can't remember which one it was, Robert. I've mentioned it in the book. Uh, There's a quote that uh, we should take every opportunity we get to preach and never open our mouths. <laughs> that's a beautiful thing. And that's It really is. Uh, by the way, on a side note, uh, I just wanted to tell you something. I didn't forgot to mention this to you before we started the, the segment today. Yeah. Uh, just found out that they launched the book in, uh, in Hangul in Korea, in Korean language, uh, The Nine Steps. It just got translated. They finished it, and uh, we just found out we you know, got a royalty check. It was kind of nice. So anyway, I just... How cool uh, is that? Well, that's awesome. And we do yeah, have, we, we do, Dr. Batar, have listeners even in Korea. We're getting them from all over the world, so this is very exciting. Well, it's actually been translated now to French, uh, Korean, and I believe they're doing it now in Italian, so. Hmm. So we got the organic okay. pasta version of Nine Steps to, to Keep the Doctor Away, which is fantastic. By the way, I have links up uh, through the newsletter, Robert Scott Bell. It's, you go to a natural news front slash robertscottbell.com, sign up. Newsletter is absolutely free. You get all the links, the things that we talk about here on Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Batar as well. And have they? Uh, did you say that they, they have yet to do it in Spanish? Because I'm sure that's going to be huge once it is. It's actually no, uh, nobody has uh, inquired about the Spanish rights. We had... So many inquiries for Korean. I'm probably seven different companies, uh, six different companies inquired in, in Korean and all sorts of different countries. But Spanish, nobody's inquired about. So I don't know. Maybe have some Spanish listeners out there, if you uh, if you have some contacts with publishers that want to translate the book into Spanish, uh, let us know. It will help the entire population there all around the world. So I encourage it as well. And, and you know, coming back again, these high principles, I would say, I mean, that, that have been lost in our culture. If we observe government, if we observe authority, they violate these principles of non-intervention all the time. And, and they do so because they say, well, it is in the best interest. It's better for them. How do they know what's better for us when they're sitting there promoting an agenda of radiation, chemotherapy, vaccination? They absolutely don't know what's best for us. And even if they did, it violates the fundamental tenets of freedom, that we're each born and, and we can walk a path as long as we violate nobody else's right. Uh, you know, to, to, to discover, to learn, to grow. My illnesses taught me so much about the things we can talk about every week here on the Robert Scott Bell Show with you, Dr. Batar. Robert, you know, for my people that are coming to us for treatment for, uh, that, that patients that are suffering from cancer that are coming to treat, get treatment for immune modulation, detoxification, uh, physiological optimization, the three precepts of uh, regaining health that I talk about in the book. When patients come to us for this, especially when they have cancer, they are not allowed to make a decision whether they're going to become our patients for 24 hours after uh, they leave the clinic after their first consult. In fact, it is something that when if they we've had patients that want to make their next appointment that's the same day that they leave, and they're not allowed to. They're told that they must take 24 hours and pray, meditate, both or which whatever they do to uh, ground themselves and take time and allow whatever guidance that they get 
to dictate the direction they're going to move in because to me that's very important. I tell people, listen, whatever your heart tells you, that is what you should do. And if the heart tells you that you should not come back here, you should not come back here. Right now you're here, you're fresh, you're, you're excited. You need to let that excitement drop down and you need to let whatever permeates your system to allow you to guide you. I, I think that if everybody did that, and I'm not trying to say that we're doing anything special. I'm just saying I'm sure there are other doctors that do the same thing. But I believe that if everybody in the entire medical profession did that, we would have far less incidence of disease uh, and dependency, and we would have we would be promoting empowerment, and people would actually allow their own innate desire mm. to guide them as to what is going to be best for them, because we all know that. Yes, yes, but I think uh, you know also the, uh, that concept of poverty consciousness dominates a lot of the doctors, medical profession, and even some holistic because they're afraid if it, look if if I get them well, then I don't have a patient. And I'm thinking if you got them well, you would be flooded with more than you could ever handle. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. In fact, one of the things the patients have even said that to me because I'll tell them that you don't need any more treatment. You're done. You're fine now. You just need to you know. <laughs> Just go and start living your life the proper way. Make sure you're exercising. Make sure you're drinking enough water. You don't need me anymore. And they look at me with this confused look. And, <laughs> and, I, and they, I've had people tell me, well, why would you tell me I don't need any more treatment? That's, then it's going to be less revenue for you. And I say, no, because now I've gotten you better. You're going to go out there and tell 10 people I'm going to be inundated. That's exactly what's happened. Yeah. You know, at, at, the, at our, at our uh, height, back before the medical board started their antics, um, I had a 23-month waiting period for new patients. Now, we're starting to, you know, of course, in the last year, we've ramped way back up again, and we, we've had a more than 100% growth since last year alone, but this is exactly the whole concept. You take care of people effectively. People get, uh, and this is, if any of these doctors listening or any health professionals listening, you take care of people effectively, you are going to get 10 people for every one person that, that you no longer need to treat. Okay. You, this poverty consciousness, Robert, you're talking about, is endemic within our society, and I think part of the reason we are in the global state uh, that we are in because of this poverty consciousness that dominates everything that we do. All right, if we want to obliterate something and that would be positive, it would be poverty consciousness, Dr. Batar. I completely concur with you. In fact, I couldn't have said that better myself. Just to obliterate that one aspect, I think would end up so significantly impacting society as a whole that the world would be a totally different place than what we live in today. And the reason that, uh, Robert, I wanted to kind of bring this up was because my concern wasn't this individual uh, person who's suffering from Alzheimer's, who I, it's not that I don't, I'm not concerned about them. I don't know who they are. I'm not vested with them. I've never met them. And this is the mother of a friend of my patient. My concern is my patient. My concern is that he is putting so much effort and so much focus and so much attention on somebody else's issue and problem. And they're not even in, they, they have to be convinced. And so my point for bringing this whole thing up is that I believe this poverty consciousness goes goes all different ways. The patient, if they want to get better, they need to be committed to getting better. The, yeah. the healthcare provider also has to not be poverty-minded, consciously uh, dependent, mm -hmm. and, and be open and allow whatever needs to be done for that patient, not worrying about retaining or controlling that patient like many of the conventional doctors do. And, and even, even in uh, the integrative side of the house, we see healthcare providers doing the same yes. type of thing. But my biggest concern is that the individual that I have treated, that who, who has put their faith and hope 
in our ability to help them that they not be stressed because of the people around them that they care mm-hmm. about, that they love, who they want to see also improve in their health and resolve from their conditions, whatever they may be. They get so focused and so enamored and so vested in the drama with this other individual that it causes yeah. more oxidative stress for them. And I don't want that. That's yeah. what my, my message to Chris, and I've done this so many times. In fact, the motivation behind the DVDs was to try to take that stress away from the individual so that, hey, if you now are – um, better and you want to tell your friend about it, but you know, you can't be a preacher in your own house. You can't tell your mom or your dad or your best friend or whoever. Give him a DVD. That's the reason that I wrote the book. Yes. You don't have to sit there and convince them anymore. I don't want them to do that because I want them to continue on their reco- path to recovery. Yep. No self sabotage, no doctor sabotage, and we've got lots more to do on the Medical Rewind, but it'll have to continue uh, next Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar rocking the health world with me every week. Fantastic. Where we go every week, it's so astonishing, so exciting. Dr. Batar, thank you for being with me again. Thank you, Robert. And as we continue to rock the health world here on the Robert Scott Bell Show every day through Natural News, I'm here to remind you once again that the power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott Bell Show.